Hello and welcome to What's Brewing in Education. I'm your host, Superintendent of Schools, Scott Kuykendall, and I'm thrilled to have you join us today for a conversation that delves into a critical issue in our community. It is a topic of utmost importance, human trafficking right here in Stanislaus County. It's a conversation that's not only necessary, but urgent given the challenges we face in our region. Joining me for this crucial discussion is someone who brings valuable insights to the topic, Sheriff Jeff Dirksy, a dedicated advocate in the fight against human trafficking. Together, we'll explore the complexities, realities, and ways we can address this issue head on in our community. Welcome, Sheriff Dirksy. This is a really serious issue and yes. people are concerned. Yes. Um, especially, you know, parents out there wanting to know and we'll get into that, you know, kind of wanting to know signs, what they should be looking for, all of that. But before we kind of get into the details, um, what do you want to share just about the current state of human trafficking yeah. here in Stanislaus County? I would say that human trafficking in our county is prevalent. It is not necessarily rampant. It's not necessarily everywhere, um, but it is certainly prevalent. So we have the fortune or the misfortune, depending on how you want to look at it, of kind of sitting on the I or between the I-5 and the 99 corridor. And it impacts us in a lot of different array, um, arenas, drugs, um, gang stuff. But specific to this, for human trafficking, there is a circuit that runs, generally speaking, kind of from Sacramento to the Bay Area, down I-5 and 99 to, you know, Bakersfield, Fresno, et cetera, uh, Southern California out to Las Vegas and then back up, right? And they kind of make laps. And obviously we're right in the middle of that. Right. And uh, so we see quite a bit of human trafficking activity here. Now, I will also say that I think that the prevalence of it is because we have very dedicated people who specifically target human traffickers. Uh, the Sheriff's Office is the only agency in Stanislaus County that has a detective team that is solely dedicated to human trafficking. Mm -hmm. We have two detectives uh, and, a, and an analyst assigned to it. And they work with a bigger team of detectives because they can be fairly resource intensive. But um, because of that, we get huge numbers of human traffickers that we arrest. Right. And when we do some of these, um, uh, see Operation Reclaim and Rebuild, mm -hmm. LAPD kind of coordinates it statewide. And it usually happens on certain days of the year where it's a statewide effort to specifically go after human traffickers. But I think two years in a row now, we have had the second highest number. And we, the only, the only um, agency that beat us was LAPD, which given the population difference, right. uh, they certainly ought to. Mm -hmm. But it's because of uh, both my team and then kind of the coalition, that, that ad hoc task force that we have of other agencies that participate as well, but they're very adept at arresting. Right. So that that is one of those things where I say it's prevalent. I think it's just as prevalent elsewhere as it is here, but because we go after it so aggressively, uh -huh. we see more of it than right. kind of stats-wise and news-wise than I think other places may. Okay. Now, why have you made it a priority, whereas maybe some other communities kind of along the 99.5 corridor like habit like why is this why is this a top priority for you it's actually kind of an interesting story um i know that you're having without permission uh -huh. on here in your next episode um 
several years ago, I was in leadership at Esto, and one of our days was nonprofit day, and we went to without permission. At the time, I was a patrol sergeant, and you know, so I was working on the streets, right? And we went to without permission. They're talking about the prevalence of human trafficking, and all the analysts says like, "Yeah, this is BS." All right, I don't see this every day. And anyway, we had a couple hours with them. They went through some educational stuff. And then as I was back out on the streets, right, you know, working with our guys, mm-hmm. like, wow, that, I think that this is a human trafficking case. So because you were talking about it, suddenly you started to see it. Yes, okay. exactly. Okay. And so um, that kind of sparked, um, let's say, an interest. That might be the, the wrong word, but certainly an awareness of mm-hmm. it. And then kind of as I progressed through my career, kind of another uh, intersection is when I was the Patterson chief, I had a deputy who kind of had a passion for that topic. And in Patterson, we saw with some of the truck stops off of I-5, quite a bit of human trafficking. And he really started to get into those investigations. We sent him into some training and was sort of self-initiated on his end. Uh, Now, Casey is uh, one of our, he's our lead detective on human trafficking. And but kind of that confluence of both my exposure to the educational aspect mm-hmm. of it and then his uh, kind of passion to go after that, uh, they kind of came together out in Patterson. And then we replicated that uh, once I got to the sheriff's office and then kind of doubled down on some things. And it, it, again, it's that awareness of the prevalence of it and then someone who has a passion to go after the traffickers. Okay. And so that's kind of how we got where we're at. Well, I'm, I'm glad that we're that we're here. What are some of the key trends or challenges that you see with with human trafficking? So there's kind of a lot of there's a lot of facets to that answer. Um, from a, a key trends, obviously traffickers target women more commonly, but also young men mm-hmm. that are at risk or probably emotionally for some reason. And there could be a, a lot of risks. It could be. Um, uh, kind of socioeconomic, right? Um, you get some uh, kind of, you know, someone from the underserved community, they don't have a, access to a lot of money, right? Their parents might be hard workers, but you know, they're, they're working in some sort of a lower income type of job. And you know, these kids with social media, these, right. Right? they see all of these, you know, well-dressed people from just like the superintendent here, who's always well-dressed, yeah. um, right? But they, they want to start to emulate that. They see these flashy things of how can I make that money? Right. And so, you know, they, they follow things on social media and then people, the traffickers will start to identify them and Hey, you know, you like this I'll here, I'll give you some. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, and they're kind of the same thing can work into that, that drug arena. Right. And then they start to get them hooked onto things on either on the money on drugs, which then they need money for. Um, so there's, there's, there's a grooming yes. process. And I'll just lower socioeconomic. I mean, there have been instances where we have found, um, like I, I'm thinking of a specific young lady who came from a very kind of well-to-do family, but her kind of vulnerability was, I don't know the family story, but it sounds like there was great drama between mom and dad. Maybe they were somewhat absent off, you know, making money and all of that. Well, she got a little bit abandoned and was looking for a father figure somewhere or some sort of authority figure. And a trafficker found her and started to groom her and she became somewhat then kind of um, attracted to, but then captured by that lifestyle. Okay. And so it's, again, it's, there's a variety of factors that lead to that, that grooming. Uh-huh. Um, but 
that you know that that is the trend that people need to look for. And these things, these these cell phones, social media, uh, that is where ninety percent of it occurs. Right. Can you talk a little bit about because I've heard stories, just either verify this or not. But I've heard stories where maybe you're maybe you're dealing with kids from more affluent families, maybe. Um, some you know a groomer is is requesting some compromising pictures suddenly those are then in turn used to blackmail yep 100 percent. okay that is that is an avenue to kind of get those hooks into it Uh or we see um kind of another avenue in is someone starts to experiment with drugs Uh right and then it's like oh hey here have some for free it's great and then it turns into well, hey, if you want some, how about you hook me up with some sort of sexual activity, mm-hmm. right? Which is fine, right? And then they get, right? Because that guy's treating them well. They get mm-hmm. some drugs. Well, then that turns into, if you want drugs, how about you go out there and make some money for me? My buddy is going to pay me, you, you know, somebody, and you're then going to pay me that money so I can give you the drugs. So they get them addicted to drugs, and then they make them work mm-hmm. right sex sex work mm-hmm. for uh, money right and they yeah you know, and it's the same thing right mm-hmm. the, the blackmail of um you know explicit pictures or mm-hmm. content same thing right it's another way to get them hooked and then they kind of get into that lifestyle um and then right they're in what what drugs do you see out there as the most common with the scenario that you just described it really could be any of them. Okay. Probably starts with marijuana, mm-hmm. right? Uh, or it could start with uh, probably if you're, especially if you're talking into that more affluent arena, mm-hmm. uh, you're probably talking some sort of a pill, right? Okay. Where uh, maybe they even got interested in pills because they took some from mom and dad's medicine cabinet, right? Right. Something hurts. Oh, let me tell you, I'll feel good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I need to stay up to study because I get a lot of pressure for that. I'm so stressed out. Let me take something to relax me, et cetera. And then they become somewhat addicted there. And then now they need to find that elsewhere. Okay. So it could really be any drug. Mm-hmm. I can't, uh, I could not say that there's one specific one, mm-hmm. but the drugs, drugs, I won't say almost always, but very often have a strong role in this somewhere. Okay. So drugs may be one symptom. What are some other signs that okay so let's you know for maybe like parents listening who are concerned yeah. about this like what should parents be looking out for like what are some what are some red flags and some signs yeah certainly the drug aspect um you know whatever you do do not try to give your kids you know i need to study hard oh here here's some pill mm-hmm. or i'm hurting here's some pill mm-hmm. don't go down that road um just start there but also you know i'm gonna i'm gonna say this probably anybody that's gonna watch this podcast they probably don't need to be too worried about their kids if they're engaged in their kids' lives. Mm-hmm. It's those parents that are so engaged elsewhere, business, society, right, where the kids are almost an afterthought. Okay, you know, Johnny, Janie, whatever, go off and do your thing. Right. And um, so a lot of unsupervised time. You yeah. have an absentee parent. Yep. I mean, I will tell you just not even related to human trafficking, mm-hmm. but if we had good quality family units, 90% of my job goes away. Right. So, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's the same in education too. Right. Um, what, okay, let's, let's shift a little bit. Okay. So let's talk about schools now mm-hmm. and kind of what, what can schools do 
to increase their awareness, to raise their awareness uh, human trafficking um, with either with like their staff and students. Well, so let me specifically say from the sheriff's office, we're happy to come and do presentations, whether it's staff or students or both. Okay. Um, on, on, you know, some of these specific things that I'm talking about, uh, you know, education mm-hmm. is always a good thing. You know, but I think I, I want to say specifically more for the staff, right? they're dealing with these kids all the time. So if you are seeing a kid that has a behavior change, if they're kind of going downhill, uh, if they are, if you're seeing, wow, that kid just, why are they going over there, over to that kind of, not necessarily a physical place, right? But why are they going down that road? Right. Talk to them, have a counselor, talk to them. Mm-hmm. I think if we can get parents and school staff to kind of intervene and ask tough questions earlier, uh, assuming these kids, right, you're going to have to have a rapport with the kid. They're going to have to be willing to open up to you. Uh-huh. But uh, I think that that is a way for us to kind of intercede right. before some of these kids get too far down that road. You know, that you brought it up earlier, but that the, you know, this idea, I think, of sexting and sending, um, you know, explicit photographs, videos, whatever between kids is so prevalent now uh-huh. that, you know, parents, you know, put, privacy protections on the phone. You pay for it. Right. It's you can take it away. I was right. you tell friends that have younger kids. Giving your kid a phone is a great thing because then you can take it away. Great punishment. <laughs> um but you need to be looking at the content that your kids are engaging in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, check that out and that's where you're gonna start to find grooming. That's where you're gonna start to find uh, you know, explicit photographs being sent or received. So be involved let's face it you and i are north of 50 yes i was just referred to as an older gentleman not too long ago yeah a distinguished older gentleman <laughs> well no it's just older oh you know so we think of things in terms of facebook instagram twitter x right but we think of it in terms of traditional social media right mm-hmm. but now kids are on snapchat which i don't know the first thing about right uh some of this stuff goes through gaming consoles right right and they like get switch yeah uh-huh. what what switch well again jeff it, it's, it's it's just it's just another it's just another platform for yeah. gentlemen and ladies to know uh-huh, yeah um but but those are some of the arenas too that right so what parents say well yeah i look at my kids they probably don't have facebook i look at their mm-hmm. instagram Right. There's nothing untoward on there. Right. Do they have Snapchat? Can you get into Snapchat? Right. Or even just the fake accounts too. You know, yeah. Because a lot of kids will have, they'll have the, they'll have the parent account yeah. that parents have access to. And then they yeah. get into something else, mm-hmm. which is again, why parental controls on phones are so important. Right. I think that, you know, it's easy to go out and buy a phone and get a service and give it to your, to your son or daughter. But, um, I really want to encourage parents that make sure that, you know, if you're doing this, first of all, that it's age appropriate. Secondly, that you've had a really thorough discussion about parameters, about use, about the fact that this is a phone that this isn't your phone. This is a phone that I am providing for you. This is what it needs to be intended for. And there, there is zero privacy in any way, shape or form. I can pick up this phone. I can look through all the contents. I know all of your passcodes. Like I know all of that or, the, or suddenly like this is off. Yeah. This is off the table. Yeah. And I really think that from a safety perspective that, you know, parents need to protect their children 
it's not just the physical uh you know it's it's not just um you know it's not just physical people or situations that you encounter so much of it now is virtual so much of it now is coming through the phone it's how they communicate and and i know that it's hard but it really needs to be something that's well thought out before you just hand yep. a student or a, you know a, a, a child a phone yep and i know you know different than human trafficking i know probably you and your staff deal with it more with these but that idea of like bullying cyberbullying, uh-huh. right kids making fun of each other over here it could be anonymous right you could be bashing me on social media um <laughs> right but but then we oh we're friends at school um mm-hmm. right and then on the how does how are friends at school how does somebody know this about me while well, i shared it with you or right or four people right right and now somebody knows it and you know so. Well, I mean, you know, school districts have entire policies now just on social media. And it's like, well, you know, if the bullying took place kind of during school hours, like we'll look into it. But, you know, if it's after school, then you need to call the cop. It's like it's it's, it's not a crime. Well, see, and it's really difficult to solve because if you don't address the issue, then it just bubbles over, yeah. you know, into, you know, yeah. the everyday life. Well, and some of it then, I mean, kind of constitutionally starting it into things like freedom of speech uh-huh. right is that you know as long as there's not some sort of a direct threat right right you just get into kind of some different issues then well yeah and and we know well, we all know like you know people are so much more toxic and cruel online than they would ever be in person oh yes are there specific initiatives or programs that the sheriff's office um and local organizations have undertaken or you know, are there specific things that you guys are doing and to address human trafficking and uh, i mean uh, Specifically from the sheriff's office standpoint, you know, being an enforcement agency that dedicating resources as we've been already talked mm-hmm. about the enforcement side of it, I would say that that is our single biggest focus. Now, with that, we also do a number of educational things, right? Again, schools, right? If there's any school staff here, if you want a presentation from the sheriff's office, mm-hmm. we will send our team out there. They are age appropriate. Yeah. But I will also say, there are only so many ways to talk about certain things. Right. Um, so some of them, I won't describe them as graphic, mm-hmm. uh, but they do have to have conversations about um, content right. and actions and activities mm-hmm. and so on. So, but again, they're age appropriate. Um, I know, you know, the, the under sheriff's kids go to a private school uh-huh. and you know, we sent them there. They gave the presentation, uh, you know, our staff gave a presentation there and he said, it's it is very age appropriate, right? But it's also there are things that some people may think, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe they're talking about this." You have to, right? You have to talk about some of it, right? Um, you know, obviously locally we have things like without permission, mm-hmm. um, right? Nonprofits that are committed to dealing with human trafficking. As awareness of human trafficking has grown, we also, you know, there are nonprofits that are engaging in that space, right? And I, I mean, I think that that's, that's so important. I mean, the county office is also a partner with, uh, without permission. Yep. Um, and we will continue to be because, you know, it, it does affect so many school aged kids yep. and it's, um, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's disgusting quite frankly. So we will continue to support that as, uh, as long as we can, whatever way we can. Let's end on a positive note. So like, what are some success stories that you've got that you want to share? Again, I'm gonna uh, uh, when we talk about success stories, I'm gonna come back to really like from that peer enforcement standpoint, mm-hmm. the work that my team does, right, to aggressively go after the human traffickers. 
you know, we we participate in this statewide operation. I already talked about that. Kind of, you know, we have the second highest numbers compared to mm-hmm. LA. Right. Not because I think it's any more prevalent here than in Bakersfield or Sacramento. It's just that we aggressively go after it. Uh, you know, but you know, our our last significant operation that we did, we actually rented a house. It was kind of an interesting story. I get a request to rent a house for three days and detectives came over and they briefed me, but we rented a house. We did it in the neighborhood. And because with these human trafficking things, a lot of them as they're selling, it's, hey, come, my parents are gone. Come, you know, why don't you stop by? So we had detectives that were playing underage kids Mm -hmm. online, Uh, you know, down to, I think the youngest that they portrayed themselves, I think it was 14. And um, kind of the way it works is, you know, they they engage with them on the various platforms that are out there where people look for this sort of activity, mm-hmm. and then they move it to to texting, right? And then that they, they like, hey, I'm actually only sixteen. Is that okay? Oh yeah, that's fine. It was literally so busy, we had to tell people to stop, like our our step, stop setting up dates because we have to deal with all of these people that we've arrested first. Like, get them out of this house so we can make space. We, we were shocked by that. And this was specifically, you know, pedophiles looking to pay for, or maybe not pay for, but engage in sexual acts with kids, yeah. juveniles. Uh, so, you know, from a, an enforcement standpoint, that's a huge success. And, you know, I know that my staff is frustrated as they can be sometimes with the process and the bureaucracy and the law and the way things don't work efficiently. You know, rescuing those kids, they may be adults at the time, but right. right, but those young men or women that are involved in that, mm-hmm. um, you know, that that's pretty worthwhile. Absolutely. And, you know, and I think, Scott, you know, we talk about human trafficking too, and the vast majority of our people think of it in terms of sex trafficking, which is prevalent. That, right. No doubt about that. Right. But there's a whole other angle to human trafficking of labor trafficking. Let's talk a little bit about that yeah. because that's coming, I think that's coming more to the forefront lately. It is. So if we kind of go all the way back to the border, and I don't want to make this overly broad, but you know, when people come over the southern border, specifically the southern border, that's the most common, uh, you know, everyone who comes over our border illegally pays to do so. They pay the cartels to do that. That is human smuggling. Mm-hmm. Different definition, okay. right? Because they are paying somebody to smuggle them over the border. Now, the rate for that, I mean, there's a broad spectrum. Uh, typically, if they're like a Mexican rep citizen, mm-hmm. you might be talking somewhere between five and $10,000 as the fee to get over the border, right? You move into Central- Five and 10000 American dollars? Yes. Okay. You move into Central America, it goes up. Uh, you start getting, Uzbekis are a big common one right now, Chinese, mm-hmm. price goes through the roof, especially any of these folks that are more like on that terrorism watch and listen, mm-hmm. you're talking 50 to 75 grand to get them over the border. Somebody from the Middle East. Yes. Same thing. Right. Okay. That is human smuggling. But because of those fees, a lot of those smuggling victims or participants, because they are at some level a willing participant in that, mm-hmm. they turn into human trafficking victims, specifically on the labor side, potentially the sex side mm-hmm. um, or labor for sex, sex for labor, however you want to look at that, um, where when we, you know, we're pretty aggressive about going after illegal marijuana grows as well. Right. A significant portion... I, I don't know that we can categorically prove majority, but a significant portion of the people that we find that are working at those grows yeah. 
they are being human trafficked for labor to pay off their human smuggling debt. So this is this is kind of a new and illegal form of indentured servitude. Hundred percent. Okay, that's exactly what it is. Uh, we hit a grow. I think it was last year. We had so many. It might have been in 2021. It doesn't really matter. But we had to grow, round it up. Literally, there were like 30-some workers there. And they had been brought to this location from wherever uh, to work in this grow. And they were given like literally bags of clothes, right? Like here's your shopping bag of, mm-hmm. I don't know, Kmart clothes from wherever they came from. Right. Still have the tags on it. Um, and they they typically will get some money out of the deal, but just enough, uh-huh. you know, straight by. Yeah. And um, most of them, they didn't even know what town or what county they're in. They knew they were in California, right? But they're like, I don't know where I'm at. I'm in Modesto. Where's Modesto? They don't know that because they've been brought in here on a bus in the back of a truck, you know, whatever. And they're just working there until, you know, they may own six months. They may own a year or something like that. And then they kind of get caught up in that lifestyle. And they may find themselves kind of functionally stuck there forever, or then they stay on as a as an underpaid mm-hmm. indentured shirt. Right. Uh, and then some of them, specifically the ladies in that case, they may get transferred off into the sex trafficking side. Oh, you want to make more money? Well, have I got an opportunity for you type of deal? Mm-hmm. And they don't know how to get out of that life. Right. What happens, Jeff, when, when you do... Um, bust an illegal grow you find these folks um who are there they don't even know necessarily where they are specifically but like okay so um that plan especially like on the labor side like that plan um is no longer a thing for them like what happens to these folks yeah so we while they are suspects in illegal cultivation Mm -hmm. uh, we also try to treat them in as victims of human trafficking or smuggling smuggling is not really something we deal with it's more of a border issue okay right but the human trafficking aspect of that we try to get them to provide us with information of who brought them there the truth is they may not know right right uh this guy said to get in the back of the truck at midnight Mm -hmm. and i got in the back of the truck at midnight and i ended up here i don't know who that was i don't know where i am i don't know who i work for so it can be very difficult, but we do try to treat them as victims of human trafficking. Sometimes we get useful information out of that. The vast majority of the time, we do not. Uh, they get arrested right, for cultivation because that mm-hmm. isn't right, right. Uh, and they, you know, don't get incarcerated. Uh, usually they'll bail out, mm-hmm. or they'll be cited out because it's only a misdemeanor, and they'll disappear because the name that they gave us is probably not their legal name. They have right. no documentation on it. They are illegals. Right. Um, it is not something that we can turn them over for under state law. So they don't get turned over unless they have some other crimes, but you know, we don't have any real role in that aspect of it. And they'll go off into society and do something else. They may get rounded back up by their traffickers and forced to go back to work somewhere. Okay. So they're just kind of in the wild. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a complicated issue. Yeah. Is it, and it's interesting. I just had a meeting yesterday, uh, on, on the drug aspect of things. But we actually have some information right now that cartels are actually trying to get, they're not trying to get out of the drug business. They are reducing their reliance on illegal drugs and they're moving more into the human smuggling and human trafficking aspect. It's more lucrative. And it's in some ways probably safer. And let's face it, if you're dealing fentanyl and you start killing off your clients, yeah, right, uh-huh. then you're losing business. Right. So, can we talk a little bit about fentanyl? 
I mean, since you brought it up, we can talk about anything you would like. Okay, fantastic. Well, what? Okay, so let's just kind of shift into fentanyl a little bit because that's also something that our community is struggling with for in a variety of ways. But um, where kind of are we right now with fentanyl? Is it still as prevalent? Is it is it ticking up? Is it ticking down? What's going on? Um, it is definitely not ticking down. Uh, it is very prevalent. Uh, at the kind of the super macro level, the strategic level, we are starting to see some possible positive movement in either putting pressure on China, on Mexico, on the cartels themselves, uh, reducing the supply of precursor chemicals that, so the flow of fentanyl precursor chemicals come from China, typically into Mexico, uh-huh. where they are then manufactured into fentanyl and they 95% of our fentanyl comes over the southern border. Right. Um, sometimes in the backpack of, of a human smuggling victim uh-huh. um, or more commonly somewhere hidden in a vehicle. That's usually, whether it's a semi or a private car, right? It's hidden somewhere in a compartment, comes across. Uh, drones are a new new popular thing. Oh. They fly it over in drones, drop off a pallet or something, and then uh-huh. fly their own back. Um, tunnels underneath the border, but that's how, that's how it gets here. But we are possibly seeing some positive kind of strategic level impacts. Uh, but fentanyl is still here. It's very prevalent. When people try fentanyl, let me back up. Most people initially do not say, hey, that sounds great. I want to go try fentanyl. I know. Seriously, like everything I've heard about it, I'm like scared to death. Like, right. You know, um, what happens is where we talked a little bit about kids that got addicted to or maybe tried some pills like mm-hmm. from mom and dad's medicine Canada mm-hmm. that they were legally prescribed mom and dad were at some point. Right. Um, but so kids will, through whatever reason, kind of come into contact with pills. Right. Mm-hmm. Pills are a very common trend amongst youth. Uh, they may start with marijuana and then decide they want a little bit different high, so they're going to try a pill. They're at a party, right? Peer pressure, we understand, used. A lot of peer pressure. Oh, hey, this pill is going to make you feel great. Um, you know, go to a party, you'll be relaxed, you know, loosen up, whatever. Mm-hmm. So they they try some pill. Um, where we see the threat to kids, especially a lot of those pills are laced with fentanyl because it's very cheap. And so it, there may be some other you know, maybe sold as a Xanax or something like that, right. but it has some fentanyl in it. Uh, someone who has zero um, habitual use of an opioid, right? Mm-hmm. They have zero resistance to it, right? These pills are not pharmaceutical grade measured, right? For your weight, your mm-hmm. whatnot, your metabolism, however they make pills, right? Um, right. One, one pill can kill somebody, right? Um, we see it. It's happened here in our county. It's happened in some of our schools in this county. Mm-hmm. One pill can kill someone. Or as they kind of, as someone gets into that drug world and they, you know, maybe they start with marijuana and then they, oh, I want to try heroin is supposed to be cool. Right. They get peer pressured into it. They try mm-hmm. heroin. Heroin is harder to come by, uh, more expensive. Hey, fentanyl sort of does the same thing, right? They get into that arena uh, and it becomes more and more prevalent. Yeah. So it has been a huge push again, um, just for like, all of our schools, obviously to have access to Narcan yep. just because, um, you know, it's kind of an antidote for, uh, some type of opioid overdose. So, and you know, so that's, that's been a, a big thing for us in the last couple of years, just yep. to make sure that we're prepared that way. Trank, um, if you've heard of that, I, I can't, I can't think of the official scientific name of it. Trank is a new drug mm-hmm. that's out there that is, uh, doesn't sound ominous at all. In fact, uh, it's even more dangerous than fentanyl. Uh, Narcan does not. Naloxone does not bring people back from it. 
at least not in the common, the four milligram dosage. Mm-hmm. Eight milligrams might. Okay. Uh, but uh, there is something else, I think, in the works to bring people back from that. Okay. So, wow. Okay. Well, let's talk about uh, looking ahead and, you know, kind of next steps. What, you know, if I'm just a concerned community member, if I'm a parent, kind of like what, you know, what can I do to further combat human trafficking and, you know, protect my kids or, you know, my, my loved ones. Be involved in your kid's life. Okay. Know what your kids are doing. Know what's on their social media, on their phones. Right. Be a parent. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I, I mean, uh, you know, being a, being a good parent is hard because it's probably one of the hardest things that you will ever do in your entire life just because of the time. Yep that it takes to be a good parent. Yep. I mean, it's, it's, it's all about, you know, you need to reduce your own screen time yep. as a parent. I see that a lot. And it's just kind of like parents kind of ignoring kids cause they're on their phones and kids are on their phones. And yep. I mean, you've probably walked in and you know, at Buffalo wild wings. Right. And it's just kind of like every, every everybody's on a device. It's like, well, how come like people aren't talking and, and it's, it's yeah. becoming a lost art, which is really tragic. No, that's for sure. Um, you know, and I, I just, I say it over and over. Parents just have to be involved in their kids. Like, give your kid time. Know what's going on. Uh, you know, with both knowledge, it's hard. And, you know, when you're a parent, you don't, it's not like you get to try it. No. Hey, let me raise this kid for 18 years and then I'm going to start over and right. write lessons mm-hmm. learned. Mm-hmm. So, like, for you and for me, right, as we've come up professionally, right, you have these different roles and you learn and make mistakes and you do things right, you do things wrong. Well, you only really get one shot with your kids. Right. Right. So you start in, you know, school A as a teacher and then you go to school B as a, you know, an assistant principal and school C as a principal. And right. So now you're like, yeah, I learned this here. I kind of get a start over right in the new environment. You know, for me, a lot of time in the military, I made so many mistakes in leadership roles. Right. But you go from one platoon to another platoon to another platoon in a completely different unit. Right. And then to a company command in a whole different unit. Right. So you get to like, okay, you've learned a lesson here. You've learned a lesson there. Now you get to apply them over and over and again, right? And in theory, you you kind of spiral in and you get better and better. That's not how it works with the kids, right? Right? You only get one shot with them. Yeah, you get, you know, until my kids are all over 18. So you never stop being a parent. Mm-hmm. But, right, it, you're kind of in those formative years and then there you release them into the wild and hope that you did the right thing. So, um, you know, but so be a good parent and be informed. You know, know what's out there. You know, I am still surprised when we specifically talk about human trafficking, about the number of people who've like, I've never heard of that. What is that? Does mm-hmm. that happen? Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, know that it is happening. And, you know, find those venues where you can learn about it. Um, and, you know, where what the signs and symptoms are. Fine. Jeff Dirksen, thank you very much. You're most welcome, Scott. Yeah. Today. It's great talking Anytime. with you. Anytime. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll take you up on it. All right. Sounds good. Okay.